Use the force. Live long and prosper. I'm going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilo Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit, frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Play on Nerds episode 170. And this week we are honoring the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 by talking about the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension, another space cowboy group of people. And I'm here with my co-host, Steve. How you doing, That's Steve? That's right. I'm Steve. That guy's German. We're here to have a real good time and talk about, uh, I mean, they're basically the same film, a ragtag group. <laughs> Of misfat, mismatched misfits mm-hmm. running amok in spacecrafts across dimensions and through portals and stuff. Both have a, a, a agency with technology and music and karate. So I think everyone if, has guns in both of them for some reason. True. <laughs> so they're the same movie. Absolutely. The same. Basically the same film, but we're going to get into that later. <laughs> what have you been up to since our last episode, Steve? Uh, we're just getting settled into the house, um, moved in. We're getting more and more furniture. Uh, we finally got our, we got a big China cabinet display case thing nice. and a real nice wood, big bookshelf. And so because we have those things, we can now unload a big chunk of our boxes that have kind of been sitting. And all the collectibles and Muppet stuff. And collectibles everything. and precious items and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we just, we literally got those earlier today. We were able to unpack a box or two before we got started. I plan to probably do a box or two after. I'm glad they all made it safely to your destination. For the most part, we've had a few casualties along the way, but you know, (laughs) two of my Muppet mugs, like my classic vintage Muppet mugs, both bit the dust pretty hard. Oh no. They're not even savable for like hot glue or something. (laughs) No, I'm not doing that to them. Cause that's the thing. They, they're. I, I'm one of those people who are like, yes, I like my collectibles, but I want to be able to use them. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like, I want to drink shelf. out of that out of that Gonzo mug, and I can't do that anymore. So well, maybe you can find them on eBay or something. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to? Oh, just doing a lot of last minute wedding planning. Not last minute. We still have two and a half months, but we uh, confirmed. Oh, I got a measuring tape. I'll have Anna measure me right after this. Oh, Came good. Because Steve's got to get his suit measured. Uh, we got a DJ confirmed, photographer, caterer. Uh, those are all in, in motion. Um, some signed already, some about to be signed. Deposits paid and all that jazz. So that's really exciting. And in a nerdy front, I got to go to an IMAX screening for the final two episodes of Star Trek Picard. Um, it was in wow. theaters and they were kind of live streaming it to the nation, to certain theaters in certain cities. And luckily Orlando was one of them. And, uh, went with a couple of my Star Trek buddies and we got to see it. And then they, afterwards they do a Q and a that's streaming live from Los Angeles with the whole cast, like Patrick Stewart and everything. So mm-hmm. they even took a question from our audience, like that was sent in digitally, um, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And we got a poster afterwards of the whole cast. It's like a really nice cardboard, like really nice print. So it was all free too. You just had to get signed up in time before it got sold out. So it was, just had to be lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, it was a lot of fun. Very nerdy. Um, and for feedback, I just want to mention that we just yesterday were guests on the Muppet talk 
uh, I guess video podcast, but I think it's also an audio form. It's their second episode. Podcast. Yes. It's with Crazy Joe and Chris from the Muppet Stuff blog. They invite us on over, which was so nice of them. And it was a good time, wasn't it, Steve? It was. We talked Muppets and Star Trek. I'm going to venture and say we talked more Muppets than Star Trek. Yeah. And go out on a limb here. And it's an honor of our other show, Muppet Trek. If you don't listen, you should. Yeah. It's on the same feed. But, you know, it's a, if you're not into that stuff, it's fine. But uh, but it was an honor, yeah. and I hope we get to go back again sometime. Or had them on this show. We've had guests on the show. had them on this show. Yeah. Man, we haven't had a guest on the show in, a, in I want to say, years now. It's been a while. <laughs> well, it's because our, maybe we got to change format a little bit. Because expecting our people to do homework is a tough sell. That's true. But for, our, so. for things coming up in the future, it might be more applicable we'll see yeah, like yeah we're gonna a, find out yeah secrets <laughs> but that brings us to some nerdy news it's time for nerdy news all right well in mexico and south america there are these things called orchid bees uh, they are green and blue and real pretty iridescent shiny um, but it's not their looks drawing attention. Uh, these guys have special sacks on their back legs <laughs> that store perfumes from flowers, specifically uh, the orchid, among others. And uh, they and because they dread, they drag around smelly good stuff with them everywhere they go. Mm. So science performed a test. So unlike other bees, where they're like in a big hive, these don't function that way. They're much more like solitary insects, but they just happen to be a species of bee. Um, so they took lab-raised bees that hadn't been exposed to perfumes, just mm-hmm. clean-smelling bees, and they observed them next to wild bees who, had, who were all gussied up and smelling nice. <laughs> and the wild bees mated way more often, way more often, <laughs> leading them to believe that lady bees like it when guy bees smell nice. <laughs> And this uh, study was run by a guy named Frank who decided, I'm going to study this and not cure cancer. <laughs> That's right. This is what science is, people. <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. You know, you, you got to be Oh, yeah. And the title still... of the story is The Bee's Knees. I forgot. Oh, I forgot. missed it. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Goddamn, Steve. Goddamn. The Bee's Knees. I love it. Well, I think that takes us to our main segment. That's right. <laughs> So we're talking about Buckaroo Bonsai, the adventures, sorry, long title. Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. Across across the the eighth dimension. Eighth dimension. Which will make sense shortly, maybe. (laughs) So this movie starts on a crazy premise. So I've seen title crawls that that really have to explain a lot. This title crawl took it to a brand new level. That was one of my first notes. Trying like explain. they're trying to explain a lot of exposition all at once. <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai is a brilliant neurosurgeon who gets bored, so he becomes a physicist as well. Oh, and he has a rock and roll band who's who has like eccentric members called what was it? The Shanghai. I got it later on. Oh, the yeah. Shanghai. The, the Shanghai Hong something. Kong Cavaliers, Hong Kong Cavaliers, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, <laughs> all white guys, all white guys. Yeah. Um, he just gets bored. So he decides to build a device that allows him to travel to another dimension. And he tests it during a test of his rocket car, which is unrelated, kind of. 
Dr. Lazardo, they get a flashback being played by John Lithgow is crazed and violent scientist who experimented with this same technology years ago uh, and ended up going through a dimensional door and losing his mind seemingly. Mm-hmm. He well, he great. breaks out of a mental institution upon hearing about this interdimensional travel and starts heading towards Buckaroo. Buckaroo and the Hong Kong Cavaliers, I can't believe it, <laughs> are playing a rock and like a, a rock gig at a club. When this girl who's sad tries to kill herself, but they think she's shooting at the band. So she's arrested. Everyone pulls guns out. Just everyone has guns suddenly. <laughs> And he goes to visit her in jail and finds that she is the long lost twin of his dead wife who doesn't know she has a twin. <laughs> For some reason. Oh, that was hard to say. <laughs> All right. Bucker breaks her out. Not breaks her out. Gets her out. Has a press conference about the dimensional tech, which is interrupted by a phone call. He gets zapped. And suddenly he can see these alien creatures in the audience who try to steal that tech. And they nab his doctor friend who helped him invent it. Mm-hmm. The aliens are called lectoids, and they're not really, they're more interdimensional beings, but they come from a planet. It's very confusing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bad faction of lectoids who want to steal yeah. the tech, lectroids, yeah. who want to steal the tech and open a portal to the eighth dimension. And then there are good ones that want to stop them. So it turns out that when Dr. Luzardo experimented with the tech and went through the portal, his mind was overtaken by this evil lectroid leader. And he plans to attack a Russian vessel and start World War III. The Cavaliers head to Yo-Yo Dine Systems, uh, who have secretly been developing their own interdimensional ship for use. Buckaroo and a ragtag group of not only his regular guys, but like volunteers from the radio. Uh, they storm the facility. Dr. Lazardo tries to take off. He fails to reach the eighth dimension, but he breaks out into space. Um, he finds out the buckaroo and this alien that wasn't worth mentioning before this point around the ship. So he ejects them. <laughs> they make chase. They blow him out of the sky uh, with their weapons. Buckaroo parachutes to Earth, bringing Penny back to life with his lips, I guess. And they all live happily ever after. <laughs> I like how... You skip so much, but it doesn't matter because it, it still doesn't make any matter. sense. <laughs> so much of it is just nonsense that has no bearing on what it's, happened. So it wasn't worth mentioning. It's, speaking of Muppets, this is what I think they describe as gonzo, like as it's just nuts. Like there's nothing, nothing yeah, makes any gonzo. sense. What does that mean? Like it's, I think that's definition of gonzo. That's why they call him that. Um, exaggerated subjection to fiction, bizarre or crazy. Yeah, that's basically what yeah. it is. <laughs> um, so this, so you got to respect this movie. You don't have to like it. But you got to respect. <laughs> got to respect it because they opened with a crazy premise, mm-hmm. and they knew it was a crazy premise, but they wrote it the whole way. They didn't. It, it was unapologetic. Like, they were like, we're making a crazy movie. It's crazy. <laughs> and we're owning it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're owning it. And they owned it. And it was nuts. Some of the effects were actually pretty good. Yeah, good practicals. Um, and I got to say, for all the the bad, not great acting in here, you get a couple gems. Um, like, you get, what's his name? Clancy. Clancy Brown. 
Clancy Brown, young Clancy Brown in there. Oh, let me make this list Jeff real quick. Jeff Goldblum, who John somehow Lithgow. isn't the most eccentric part of this film. Oh, yeah. John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, Ellen Barkin, playing the, the sad woman, Peter Weller, you know, Robocop as the lead, Clancy Brown, Jeff Goldblum, the creepy guy from Ghost, uh, the dad from Clueless, um, the guy who plays the black Captain America from Falcon the Milk Winter Soldier. Um, yeah. So a lot. Sorry. <laughs> it's a lot. It's nuts. It's a crazy cast. And somehow Jeff Goldblum is like the quiet one. Yeah, that's true. He's not the quirkiest. <laughs> um, so big cast. Um, and I got to say, John Lithgow was was just he was going for it. Oh, totally. Like he was. I feel like he was the one person that understood that got this movie. The, assignment. the one actor <laughs> who knew what he was supposed to be doing. And that was to just be insane. <laughs> With his like Italian slash what the hell accent. I don't know. Almost Russian at times. Yeah. But like if he had played that any other way, it wouldn't have matched up with the movie. He mm-hmm. had to be the biggest villain ever to contend with this biggest movie. Whereas Peter Weller was in a regular action movie, which works somehow. <laughs> like he was not, he was taking it totally seriously. He wasn't over the top as the lead yeah, character. Buckaroo's got to be totally cool. Yeah. He's just totally cool. This is just a normal day for Buckaroo. <laughs> yeah. Your name's Buckaroo. How else would it be? Here's Buckaroo, dude. <laughs> You're a neurosurgeon. Uh, that was nuts. I don't know why he needed to be a neurosurgeon. That's one of the things I put that I I didn't like about the movie is that they tried to do too much with him, his backstory, because they didn't do anything with all those characteristics. Like, the surgeon skills are not used in the adventure at all. Like, they just mentioned he's a surgeon. He has one scene as a surgeon, but it's not related to the adventure. It doesn't help anything. His musical talents don't contribute to the adventure at all. His martial arts skills don't contribute to the. He only kicks one, one guy in the balls. In like, That's it. At one point, he's in a kimono and has a sword. Yeah, he never uses the briefly, sword. Never he, uses a sword. He kicks a guy in the balls and then uses a gun the rest of the time. <laughs> That's it. Everyone has guns always. Yeah. <laughs> I was just nuts that every one of the Cavaliers had like multiple pistols on them at any given moment. <laughs> and they're in a band together. And they're in a band <laughs> with a neurosurgeon, board neurosurgeon physicist. <laughs> so, yeah, the only thing he actually utilized was him being a physicist. That was it. Because that was the only thing helpful for the actual operation. Otherwise, I don't, it was just it was weird. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. But I agree with you, John Lithgow was, I think it's Lithgow. I think it's the way it's supposed to be pronounced, but I'd never said it that way. Uh, he was great. Um, just totally bonkers movie. Uh, <laughs> the cast is wonderful. Just nuts. Um, I really, I, about his team, I think that a real opportunity to make this movie even better if his team was more interesting. But we don't learn much about any of them, really, except for maybe Perfect Tom, I think his name was. Or yeah, he gets the most screen time, I think. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum was interesting and but strange. And then the rest of them, like, they have three lines. Like, they're just, they don't have any characteristics that make them interesting at all. So they should have been really different and really wacky and interesting. And that would have really brought this to a whole other level. But they were just kind of boring white dudes that didn't say much. I don't know. Yes, that is, no, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's accurate. If anything, <laughs> they needed to push that aspect harder. Like, and then less... Less neurosurgeon stuff, maybe more of that. Yeah, exactly. And Penny really could have been better. Uh, the Ellen Barkin part, she at one point like seems to show intelligence at the press conference, like she knows what he's talking about in a very scientific way. And then at one point, John Lithgow's character calls her a doctor, and that confuses Buckaroo Banzai, but then it never goes anywhere. And so she just was like a damsel in distress the rest of the time. It was like that was it. But it was the eighties. That's kind of what they did. But other than that, this was this was a ride. 
<laughs> so it was a, right. I also think that the the storyline with the good aliens was like unnecessary, as mentioned in my summary, where I was like, it literally has not mattered before now <laughs> that this good alien exists. Yeah, he helps them somewhat and tells them some things that are helpful. But other than that, he well, he's yeah, he helps with the exposition because otherwise there's no way for them to convey this storyline that wasn't needed. And why do they have Jamaican accents? <laughs> right. That was there were some weird choices. He's like the black aliens and the white, the red aliens. But then the black ones were actually black people. <laughs> it was like that was kind of problematic. Yeah. <laughs> um. But overall, I think this movie is like worth a watch as long as you know that it is insane. Yeah, it's nuts. And it has like, I think it influenced Doctor Who's outfit for the 10th, 11th Doctor with the bow tie and his like coat look exactly like the 11th Doctor. I think it's kind oh, of I could see it. I could definitely see it. Uh, the, the guy from Better Call Saul and uh, Breaking Bad is in this as an orderly. He's really great. The really tough guy. Oh, hey. yeah, he is. He was in Gremlins as well. Oh, I forgot he was in Gremlins. That's right. Um, but yeah, they mix a lot of Chinese and Japanese terms around. They just kind of throw those around willy nilly and it's kind of confusing. But other than that, yeah, it's, he's kind of supposed to be like a samurai almost, but yeah, they mix metaphors a lot. And they have like the Hong Kong Cavaliers, like that's part of China, but okay. <laughs> What's going on? I'm so confused. Well, yeah, I think it's, it's, just, it's worth watching for sure. I understand why it's a cult classic. Absolutely. I can see why I don't have to like it. <laughs> so. Trivia? We ready for trivia? Let's do it. Uh, in the original script, Buckaroo was supposed to have an arch enemy named Hanoi Zan, who was never seen, but referenced to Buckaroo and the other characters. All scenes containing dialogue regarding Zan were deleted from the film's theatrical release, but are now available on DVD. <laughs> Zan was supposed to be the head of a mysterious crime syndicate called the World Crime League, which they tease at the end if there was going to be a sequel. That's who he'd be facing off at. And also, who's he's the man who, who murdered Buckaroo's parents and his wife, Peggy. The twin of Penny. Oh, that might have made the twin thing pay off a little bit better. Exactly. And also, Jamie Lee Curtis played Buckaroo's mother in a flashback, but that scene was deleted. The scene is also available on the DVD uh, in an optional. It's like a prequel to the theatrical version, um, and it's in the special feature. But you can also see her very quickly on the dashboard of his jet car. She's in a picture with him, her dad or his dad uh. as well. Very fl- quick flash. Uh, and you can find the pictures online. If you search, you'll find a picture of her with little Buckaroo and the Jap- Japanese dad. Um, the movie's ending invites the viewer to watch for the upcoming Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. Uh, this was the real title for a sequel that Sherwood Studi- Studios planned to make if this film had been successful. Unfortunately, it was a box office bomb and Sherwood Studios went bankrupt. <laughs> However, <laughs> after its release on video and cable, the film became a cult favorite, much the same way as Mad Max did um, in that same time period. But legal wrangling and the bankruptcy prevented any other studios from picking up the sequel rights. And even many years later, MGM had to fight through a pile of red tape simply to get the OK to re-release it into the home video realm on DVD. Um, in 2021, they finally released the novel Buckaroo Banzai Against the World Crime Re- League. So you can read the novel sequel of this movie. <laughs> It has a very cool cover, too. Uh, according to Peter Weller, the lead, he had a particularly tough time filming the scene without laughing where uh, Lord John Warfin or Dr. Lizardo, uh, as you know, John Lithgow, is torturing Buckaroo with electricity because of the first time he had heard the ridiculous accent that he was doing. I'm sure. And he said it was like an Italian Martian accent is how he described it. 
Um, the original director of photography, the cinematographer, was Jordan Cronwenth, with, who is the cinematographer for Blade Runner. Um, and the filmmakers wanted him specifically because he wanted, they wanted to be rich in color and texture, for which he is famous for. However, several weeks into filming, that one of the producers had him replaced with another guy against the wishes of the crew, including the director, in order to give the film its campy, flat visual appearance to make it look a lot cheaper than basically than Blade Runner, um, which the original filmmakers never attended. So it looks that's why it looks that way in the end. And the only scene that in the movie that's still in there that he dire- um, directed the photography for is the nightclub scene, um, which looks kind of different from the rest of the movie a little bit. But anyways, that was interesting. This is funny. To this day, there is a yoyodine.com, which serves as a fan site for the film. And it's it's a real small site. It's one page. And it's really funny. <laughs> uh, two attempts have been made to adapt Buckaroo Banzai into a television series. In 1998, Fox uh, Fox Network planned one with the title Buckaroo Banzai Ancient Secrets and New Mysteries, uh, for which they created a short animated test reel. However, the series was not picked up. And then in 2016, Kevin Smith announced that he would be working with MGM Television on a series, and that deal with Amazon Studios was in negotiation. But later, Smith left the project after MGM filed a lawsuit against the original creators, and it got legal mess again, so it couldn't work. Um, this is fun. Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton were considered for the role of Buckaroo Banzai, and I, th- I think Michael Keaton would do a great job in that. Or Tom Hanks, really. He can't do no wrong. But And the device that lets them travel through time, the oscillation overthruster, or through dimensions, it's also on the bulkhead of Zephyrin Cochran's ship uh, in Star Trek when in next, First Contact. When William Riker and Jordy LaForge launch on his ship, it's right next to them behind Riker's head, which is kind of fun. <laughs> they use that same prop in a lot of places. And there's a scene in the movie where uh, Reno, one of the Cavaliers, and New Jersey, Jeff Goldblum, go through a room with a watermelon in a machine. And it looks really out of place for some reason. And Reno sa- and Jeff Goldblum's character says, why is that watermelon there? And Reno says, I'll explain it later. And I was like, what the hell was that about? Yeah, what? Man. In the DVD commentary, the filmmakers explained that they had a confrontational relationship with one of the producers. And when they stopped receiving notes from the production, they decided to put the watermelon in a scene with no mention about it anywhere in the script. And when they received no questions about it, they diluted. They deduced that no one was uh, screening the dailies anymore and they could keep making the film the way they wanted to as long as they remained within budget. So that was kind of their way of testing the waters by throwing a watermelon in the scene. <laughs> Very weird. And the last one, uh, Christopher Lloyd and Peter Weller have played uh, villains in the Star Trek franchise. Uh, Christopher Lloyd Mm -hmm. played Commander Krug in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. And Weller's done two different characters. He played Admiral Alexander Marcus in Star Trek Into Darkness. That one I remember. Yeah. And John Frederick Paxson or Paxton in two Star Trek Enterprise episodes, which you have not seen yet. So that's why. Oh, that was a lot of trivia, but it's a weird movie, so I figured it had a lot of trivia because there's just yeah, there's there a lot going on. There's a lot going on, but we have a fun bit now for Steve. Ooh. <laughs> so this is something I admittedly stole from uh, the Leadist podcast, something that my fiance listens to, but it's really fun. It's called Mad Lib Theater, but this time we're going to call it Cosmic Mad Cosmic Mad Lib Theater. So basically, there's going to be a monologue that Steve, you're going to read in just a little while, but you don't know anything about it now, but I'm going to get some some verbs, some adjectives from you, because then you're going to make that monologue your own. And it's going to be related to this episode. So are you ready? Okay. Yeah. I need a noun. Pigeon. Pigeon. <laughs> All right. A verb ending in ing. Leaping. 
leaping. All right. Um, a setting or an area, not a specific location like a city or something, but like a setting or an area. Like a meadow? Sure, that's perfect. Um, a noun. Uh, ketchup. <laughs> uh, adjective ending in ER. Quicker. <laughs> and another one ending in an ER. Fancier. This will pay off, folks. Another noun? Uh, rock. Rock. Uh, noun? F- uh, shoelace. <laughs> shoelace. Uh, verb? Lick. <laughs> okay, I'm already seeing some of this. Verb? Stab. And a noun? Cracker. <laughs> I think I mean a couple things. Uh, verb ending in ing. Slaying. Uh, a noun? Uh, football. This is going to be great. Another noun? Love. Nice. Another noun? Uh, window. Uh, a female celebrity name? Share. <laughs> Uh, a state of being. Perplexed. <laughs> a living thing. Uh, a, like a, a clover. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, something expensive or precious. Uh, a degree. Okay. Perfect. And a body part. Last one. A body part? Yep. A tongue. So, folks, this may or may not make any sense because I had to write this Mad Lib myself and take out the certain words, and I'm not an expert, so we'll see how it works. So I'm going to send you a link, Steve. It's funny to think that there that there would be <laughs> Mad Lib experts. There's <laughs> there, someone who's that's their oh, job, now absolutely. that you say it. <laughs> um, and so basically, Steve, this is the monologue that Ego makes from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when he's describing how he came to be and how Peter came to be. We have some music to put him into the mood in the background. All right. You are now ego displaying to the whole guardians of the galaxy, how you came to be. Do I have to be, do I have to be Kurt Russell? You could be however you want to be. (laughs) Okay. Cause I don't think I could be Kurt Russell. No, that's fine. All right. This pigeon you see before you is only an extension of who I truly am. I don't know where I came from exactly. The first thing I remember is leaping adrift in the meadow, (laughs) utterly and entirely alone. I fed on the ketchup around me like plankton. (laughs) I grew quicker and fancier. (laughs) I formed a rock to protect myself from the elements. That kind of (laughs) works. And continued building from there. Shoelace by shoelace. (laughs) The very planet you lick on now. (laughs) I built the spires reaching up to the sky and the tunnels burrowing into the depths. But I was no ant to be fulfilled solely by stab. (laughs) I wanted more. I desired crackers. There must be some life out there in the universe besides just me, I thought. And I set myself the task of slaying it. (laughs) Yes, queen. 
I created what I imagined biological football might be like, down to the most minute, minute detail. I wanted to experience what it truly meant to be football as I set out amongst the stars. I visited thousands of planets over thousands of years, one barren love after the next, until I found what I get sought a window. <laughs> I was not alone in the universe after all. It was the it was with Cher that I experienced perplexity for the first time. I called her my clover. Oh, that's nice. And from that perplexedness, Peter, you <laughs> I searched for you for so long when I heard a man from Earth held a degree in his tongue without dying, I knew that you must be the son of the woman I loved. <laughs> that almost worked a few places. Almost. Very well done, sir. <laughs> So that was Cosmic Mad Lib Theater. I think you did a fantastic Damn. job. I knew it was good of a job setting up the Mad Lib, but it worked sometimes. <laughs> I think the words you chose were good. I just think that I needed, it needed to be like plural noun. Right. Maybe. You know, like those sort of things to make it fit just that little bit better. Just those little nudges. So next good, time we do it. You did some good on the fly changes there. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, man. That was, uh, that got confusing for a second there. <laughs> But man, you and Cher. I had to suddenly figure out tenses of words. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in years. I know, right? Well, that brings us some radical recommends. recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. All right, this week's radical recommend is very specific, as I think is what I'm doing now. <laughs> specific radical recommends. And I'm going to give credit... To uh, to the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation on a Wednesday afternoon at eleven thirty. <laughs> Do explain That's my radical recommend. Uh, it was in Penn Hills Department. Uh, I had so I had Wednesday off for the first time in a very long time because mm. I'm on this new two week rotation, and every other Wednesday I have off. Nice. Uh, and so I said, you know, first Wednesday of off, we're going to go and we're going to take care of our licenses. So we decided we're going to go. Anna had an appointment in the morning. I was with Dilly and we decided we're going to go. We like pack water and snacks for Dilly and his iPad because we are so certain that we're going to be there forever. Right. And we're like worried about like when we get there, we're going to see what it's like. And then we'll set a timer and figure out what time we absolutely have to leave to get Joyce. You know, we do all these things and we walk in. There's like no one there. Huh? No one there. Guy sees us right away, confirms we have what we need. We get sent to two different windows, so we get processed like twice as fast. Uh, we do vision test. We do all the paperwork. We get signed up for real IDs. We get sent over to pictures. And front to back, it was 20 minutes. Holy crap. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> so we walked out of there. Like we We're like, what do you want to do? Oh, we have time to go do some other stuff. So we went grocery shopping. Uh, and we ran a few more errands. So it was just one of those things where, like, we were braced for four hours of hell. <laughs> and it was not we're that at all. in and out in 20 minutes. It was so easy. I wonder if it's like so that every day or if it's just Pen dot lucky. in Penn Hills on Wednesdays at about 1130. Hmm. You are my radical recommend this year. Well done, Penn dot.
All right, it's time for some trailer reviews. Uh, this week I picked out one that looked kind of fun. It came out a bit ago, but I didn't see it that it come out. I love the Evil Dead series, and this is Evil Dead Rise. I don't know if it's in the same universe or if it's a reboot or I don't know. But uh, what do you think of the trailer, Steve? Uh, I think it's good. I think it's a sequel to the last one. Oh, that's true. Because I think that the the girl we're seeing in this is a recast of the character from that movie, though I oh, could be wrong. Maybe. They are very similar looking actresses, but I don't think this is that actress. Right. I don't think it is either. But like, it looks like it has all the tenants of Evil Dead. Um, I'm visually not digging this one. This is reminding me so much of like the more recent scary films like The Nun and the all those like that crap. And Annabelle. Yeah, it seems like very has isolated. those visuals. It doesn't feel like Evil Dead. Because Evil Dead was always like a lot of people and they're moving around. And this is like all like in one apartment, it feels like, or one house. I don't know. Just uh, you're right. It has the same feel of like her, you know, it's copying off. Uh, oh, Insidious and Conjuring. Right. That's, and, it has that visual appeal and those visual aesthetics. So it makes it hard for me to see past that and be like, yes, this is going to be a fun romp evil dead movie maybe yeah because the problem mind, mind you the last one wasn't a fun romp but it still kept a lot of that spirit it had some comedy in it like some light-hearted moments yeah but like because you have to have some comedy be an evil dead movie otherwise you're just like every other horror movie like what's the point this thing yeah, seems you're dead serious another annabelle film and that's my yeah problem. this seems totally dead serious and no fun but i mean it looks like good good effects good practical effects sometimes yeah i'm sure it'll be a quality film i'm just not sure i'm gonna be stoked about it yeah i kind of feel the same way i agree so uh, what do you give it? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it one Gary Busey chasing Raul Julia around the house, pretending that he has a chainsaw. He doesn't actually have a chainsaw. He's like, <laughs> let me cut off your arm. <laughs> Raul's like, for the last time, get away from me. Cut to the next day. This is my rating. It's uh, I give it one uh, Gary Busey um, seemingly like slowly walking over to Raul Julia with his blood coming out of his mouth. Like he's a zombie and Raul says, what on earth did you do? And he's like, it's okay. It's just strawberry jam. <laughs> Anyways, we have, Story an, checks out. we have an honorable mention of the flash. The second trailer for the flash that just came out. Um, what, what was added to it, Steve, do you think, or what did you see that interested you or not? I don't know. So, we get a little bit more Michael Keaton. Yeah, it seems like a we lot of Michael Keaton in this movie. Considerably less comedy. The last trailer, they really played up the comedy, and this one, they really played it down. True. There's a lot more epicness um, going on. and A lot more epicness going on. We saw a lot more of Supergirl mm -hmm. in this one. Um, so I don't know. They're They're clearly trying to push a more serious aspect of this film. Yeah, and, and I'm I, interested to figure out why they're going for such a tonal change, especially from the last trailer. Yeah. Well, I just um, I just did a video for my YouTube job that I narrate for for slash film, and they just they sent their reviewer to watch it at CinemaCon that just happened, so they've already seen the movie. And although yeah, a bunch of stuff got yeah. debuted at CinemaCon that should be coming out in like the next week or so. Exactly, and a lot of them gave really good reviews to the Flash movie. Um, they, one of them said it was the best superhero movie they've seen in decades. Um, one of them said it's definitely the best DC movie that's come out. And so I'm wondering if that's something to do with James Gunn coming in at the last minute to save it and kind of do some reshoots and 
make it fit into the rebooting the whole universe kind of thing. But look, as long as it ends with Ezra Miller's Flash dying, yes, <laughs> then I'm fine. And that may that may legitimately explain the tonal shift. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. Because it'll be serious. They're, they're trying to pose it as a serious movie, movie with a more serious ending where a major character dies. He might have to die um, to bring the universe back to balance or something yep, like that. And that's that's the perfect way to explain it and be done with Ezra Miller. Just be done with him. An awful human being. <laughs> For um, sure. Um, but yeah. So maybe that explains it. I like it. Was that the end of the episode, Steve? Uh, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, join us. <laughs> How exciting! Join us. Thanks for coming for 170 Buckaroo Bonds, eighth dimension, whatever. Uh, join us next time for episode 171, where we roll the dice and figure out what the hell we're talking about. It's gonna be interesting. Come on back folks. and be our nerdy audience. We will keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?